Okay, this morning I'm going to read uh, from a few uh, chapters and verses, but I'm going to first read John chapter 1, and then we're going to see what this means. <laughs> so cute. Okay. I'm going to read John <clears throat> chapter 1, uh, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Notice, the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we see in one fourteen of John, and it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, meaning, again, he was filled up with all that grace and truth is. And so, and, and as I studied this morning in my own devotionals this morning, God took me to a few places and really brought out some beautiful things. And so, We're going to read, I'll read from Numbers, the fourth chapter. And remember, the reason that we know this, because the types, all through the Old Covenant, all the types refer to Christ. There's a type, and then there's the antitype. The antitype is Christ who fulfilled all those types, all those sacrifices, uh, the tabernacle, uh, how it was to be constructed, the temple, all of those things. So even when we look at John 1, verse 14, when it says the word was made flesh, really the Greek says he, was, he became the tabernacle in his flesh. He tabernacled. He put on humanity, really. It means he tabernacled. So he's, Christ is the type of uh, of the, uh, the antitype, the fulfillment of all the types, just as we've said before, as the scriptures has, has taught us, that he's the fulfillment of all the prophecies. And that's why, again, in 2 Peter 1 and verse 20, we, we're not to privately interpret the prophecies because they're from God. But we can understand them. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 11, we can learn by those things, by those types and the things that Israel went through as God was using and teaching them personally and then using them to teach us uh, precisely what we have in Christ and how he uses all of those things. But when, and when God ra- uh, raised up Moses, who was a type, again, a type of Christ in the work that God would do through Moses, Moses himself wasn't the type. The work that God did in and through him was the type because he, he, he would fail and, and just like any of us. But God rose up Moses to to take the children out of Egypt, the bondage of Egypt, which would speak of the world system, as we've said before, and out from under Pharaoh, who was a type of Satan, who rules the world. And for 400 years, they were in bondage, and they couldn't do anything about it. Nothing about it. Till God rose up the deliverer in Exodus 3, uh, 1 to 15, uh, raised up Moses. And so he became the deliverer. So he delivered him. Then 
He took them out of Egypt, and now they were passing through the wilderness. And that speaks of us, what we're going through. We're on our way to our promised land, which is heavenly, it's with Christ. Like the Jews were on their way to their promised land on the earth. But the whole way, they're passing through the wilderness. And they hadn't yet got into their own land to build the second temple, uh, to build a temple where they could have this temple where they would worship. Again, even that structure, that building, Solomon's temple, which was gorgeous, was was a type of Christ, the place where God would dwell in Solomon. But before they did that, they they had what is known as what? The tabernacle. The difference, they, they point to the same thing, but the temple, okay, hadn't been yet erected, hadn't yet been established, so God had them have a tabernacle. And this is, this is what we want to read in Numbers, the fourth chapter. In Numbers, the fourth chapter. Because this is going to bring out John 1 and verse 14. It's going to bring out what we read in John 1, 1. When the word who always is. And then in John 1, 14, the word, still the word, was made flesh. It became flesh. And it's a beautiful principle, but we're going to see the types. So we can look back and glean in all the other Old Covenant, all these Old Testament scriptures, they make sense for us. And we, even though they weren't spoken to us, we can still know that they were for us in the fullness of what we have in Christ. So in Numbers, the fourth chapter, this is he, the, uh, God is giving the instructions to Moses And in in Numbers, the fourth chapter, in verse 1, it says, And the Lord, notice he's the Lord already. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Take the sum of the sons of Koath from among the sons of Levi, after their families by the house of their fathers, from 30 years old and upward until 50 years old, all that enter into the host to do the work in the tabernacle. So so we see here the tabernacle of the congregation. Then will will be the service of the sons of Koath in the tabernacle of the congregation about the most holy things. So the tabernacle here in type is most holy. And Christ, of course, we know he was most holy even in his humanity, okay, as some would teach, that Christ had a fallen nature like us, which he never did. He never had a sin nature. He had a human nature. We know that based upon Hebrews 4 and verse 15 and Luke 1 and verse 35. So the, the, the tabernacle was where the most holy things would take place. Verse 5, it says, And when the camp set forward, Notice they were always going forward to their promised land. They always were to keep their, it's like the believer today, us, in Hebrews 12 too, we're to look away from that would distract. That means even the past. That means even turning away. We're to look away from all that distracts unto Jesus. He's, he's, he's the fulfillment of all the promises in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. And and here we are, again, Numbers 4, verse 5. It says, And when the camp set forward, Aaron will come, again, the type of Christ and what what God was performing through him, and his sons, and they will take down 
Notice this, it's a covering veil. We want to make, that's a, a huge word for us to understand this morning, a covering veil. Because this is the type of the perfect humanity of Jesus Christ. The covering veil. And cover the ark, and the ark always speaks of the presence of God. The ark in Exodus 25, 17 to 22, speaks of, spoke of the presence of God where you would see the, the mercy seat and the two cherubims looking on it and the blood would be sacrificed. Again, a type of Christ. Just like even back in Noah's day when he built the ark, it was to be the presence of Christ and all those that would go in would be protected from the waters of judgment. But here, this is the ark. The ark of the testimony with it. The witness, God's witness is, is here to them, was the presence of God in type, which would be his son. In verse 6, and, and notice what it says, and we'll put thereon the coverings, this is amazing, the coverings of badger skins, and we'll spread over it a cloth holy of blue, and we'll put in the staves, the, the two carrion poles thereof, and upon the table of showbread, in other words, this again, the showbread is the type of Christ, Christ fulfilling that, the type that in Exodus, the 16th chapter, was the manna that would come down from heaven and it would be their food as they would go through the wilderness. That was what was given to them as a result of their murmurings. God sent down and it didn't stop him from sending down the portion for them to feed, and that was to feed on Christ to go through this worldly wisdom, uh, uh, wilderness, I should say, not wisdom. And upon the table of showbread, that's a fulfillment of John the sixth chapter, verses thirty all the way to fifty-seven, where Christ is the manna, the showbread, which was a type of that showbread, and they will spread a cloth of blue and put upon put upon thereof the dishes and the spoons and the bowls and covers to cover withal, and the continual bread will be thereupon. In other words, the constant fulfillment of God feeding his people. Verse 8, and they will spread upon them, all of that, a cloth of scarlet. It's very interesting here when we study the scarlet. And we're going to see how these colors and what they mean even in the type of who Christ is in his person and what he's accomplished. So, and then cover in verse uh, 8 of Numbers 4, cover the same with a covering. Notice there's the covering again of badger skins and will put in the poles or the staves thereof and they will take a cloth of blue and cover the candlestick of the light. Again, here's that word cover. And his lamps and his tongs and his snuff dishes and all the oil vessels thereof where, wherewith they minister unto it. And they will put it and all the vessels therein within a covering, notice this, a covering of badger skins and will put it upon a bar. And upon the golden, the golden altar they will spread a cloth of blue and cover it with a covering of badger skins and, and put in the, the poles, the staves thereof. And they will take all the instruments of ministry where they will minister in the sanctuary and put them in a cloth of blue and cover them 
with a covering of badger skins and will put them on a bar. And they will take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth thereon, and they will put upon it all the vessels thereof, wherewith they minister about it, even the censers, the flesh hooks, the shovels, the basins, the bowls, the vessels of the altar, and they will spread upon it a covering. Notice a covering of badger skins and put the staves, the poles therein. And when Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sacrifice. Notice Aaron is a type of Christ. He's covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary as the camp is set forward. Do you remember forward? That's where we're to go. We're constantly to go forward. We don't settle down in the earth. Remember in Exodus 14, verse 13, in response to what uh, the Israelites were crying out and Moses crying out to God. And God answered them in Exodus 14, verse 13. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Meaning it's all his work. He's going to do it. We just stand still and be in a place to receive. Stand still and then you will see, experience the deliverance of the Lord. Okay, for the battle is not ours. Ephesians 6, 12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The battle is not ours. Okay, but the Lord's in Exodus 14, 14. And then in that being so, what, would they, what were they to do in Exodus 14, verse 15? They were to go forward. And so we see this here again in Numbers, the fourth chapter in the 15th verse, as the camp, group of people, is set forward after the sons of Koath will come to bear it. But they will not touch any holy thing lest they die. These are the burden of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, all these are beautiful types, and we're going to get into Ezekiel, the, the uh, 16th chapter also. But when we read these things here, and when we see these, the, this, what we're reading here, is a fulfillment. Christ fulfilled all of this in the work of his person, and what he accomplished when he, the word in John 1, 1, put on humanity. That's the badger skins. That's the badger skins. Now, we'll look at this, the tabernacle. They were, it was most holy. And notice this. Always what they covered it with, there was always a covering. Right? The word covering. And what does love do in Proverbs 10, verse 12, and 1 Peter 4, verse 8? It covers it covers. Love covers a multitude of sins. Not that, not that we take the grace of God that, did, that love flowed through to accomplish the work ever as a, as a means to, to live in sin in Romans 6, 1 and 15. No, but it covers. Love covers. Covers. So incredible. Love covers. And so they covered. They covered and it was a veil to cover the ark and will put thereon the badger skins. Notice the badger skins, the badger skins. And we'll spread over it a cloth wholly of blue. Now, blue we, in the Bible always speaks of heavenly. It's the heavenly. You look up in the sky, there's not too many clouds. What is, this, what is the color of the sky? It's blue, heavenly. This is a type of what Jesus was saying about himself. Even before he got into the bread that his, that his life is that had to be broken on Calvary. He said in John 3 and verse 27, can a man receive anything except it come from heaven? 
And Christ had to come down from heaven. He had to put on humanity because there was no way that we could go up. No way. So he came down. So that's blue. It's heavenly. The Christ. The heavenly Christ. Blue. He came down and dwelt among us. John 1 verse 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He was filled up with all that grace and truth is. And they will take the covering of the veil and then put it on and put it on and covering of badger skins and will spread a cloth holy of blue. You see, this is the picture of, of God the Son becoming man. A beautiful thing about it for us. When we consider in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, where it says, the psalmist says, what is man that you are mindful of him or that you would even consider him? Well, here's the amount that he would consider and value us. His son, God, put on humanity and came down. This is the type, and it's leading them through the wilderness, like right now the heavenly Christ, our position in him, based upon what he's accomplished in his person and his work, and he's leading us through this earthly, this evil world system. We're in it, but we're not of it. And John fourteen, uh, John seventeen, verse fourteen and sixteen. Okay, and then we'll spread over it a cloth of, of blue, and there will be a table of, sh of showbread, and it's blue, and all these things. Then we see in verse 8, it says, and they will spread upon them a cloth of scarlet. Scarlet. What makes purple or scarlet to be scarlet? If we remember, some, some uh, one man said to me a while ago, he said, yeah, the color, the color of our sins is black. It's black. And the opposite... The thing about it is that in Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, though your sins be as what? Scarlet. Scarlet. And scarlet here, for, for, for God to deal with sin, he had to send his son. And he sent him from heaven. And that speaks of his, his absolute deity. But then he had to put on humanity. And he had blood. And if you mix blue and red, you have scarlet. That's what you have. And this is what it's teaching us here of how much he covers us and to cover thereof a, a cloth of, of scarlet. And that speaks of him, his royalty. His royalty. You see that all through the scriptures. There's a counterfeit to that too, by the way, which we won't get into. It was another whole system where scarlet... They have a scarlet and gold, and they had a gold cup, and they did all. It's, it's a false image. It presents a false image. But here, it's a cloth of scarlet. We know this. It, that tabernacle, to look at it on the outside, it wasn't much to look at. Badger skins, these animal skins. But inside, it was glorious. That's John 1 and verse 14. We beheld his glory. We went beyond his outward form because we know in Isaiah 53 and verse 2, there's no beauty in him that we would desire him. It wasn't his physical beauty that would attract us. It was the inner beauty of, of his love 
and his grace, his unconditional love and his grace that would attract us. That's what they said. We were gazing upon him. We gazed upon him and we beheld his glory inward, this inward gorgeous glory here. And this is the type here. And we can see this again here, the badger skins. And then there was a golden altar and there had to be a cloth of blue to cover it with badger skins. Again, a cloth of blue, badger skins. And then we see in verse 13, and then the ashes, what was reduced, and that was Christ on Calvary. He was reduced down to ashes because he became that sin sacrifice for us in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. This is what it means, the love that so covers us his love, and what we have. And we have for us, we have more than our sins covered. Because the mercy seat in type, again, in Exodus 25, 17 to 22, was to cover sin. It was, to, it was covered over till Christ would come. Remember it said, Job said in Job 14 and verse 17, he sewed up my iniquity in a bag. He sewed it up. And Micah 7, 18, who's a God like you, that, that passes by iniquity, that passes by and then buries our sins in the sea of his forgetfulness, it says, in Micah 7 and verse 19. So the mercy seat is kaporoth, a covering, till Christ would literally come and all of that, their sins, who would believe him in him, and all of our sins would be put on him as the sin sacrifice. No, that's what he was. He was reduced down, cut off in his prime at 33 and a half years of age, cut off in his prime, reduced down, and that's what it had, it had to be. It had to be completely consumed. Christ as a sacrifice had to be completely consumed based upon the love and justice and wrath of God that went on him so it wouldn't go on us. And we see the fulfillment of that in John chapter 3 and verse 36. So again here, the ashes in 413 of Numbers, they were to take away the ashes from off the altar and then spread a purple cloth thereof. The royalty of Christ and his suffering and what he went through and the glory that he has now, purple. He's ruling and reigning, purple. He's above everything and us and him, and him and us. We are in him, heavenly blue, above everything, and we rule and reign. And that's why it says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 12, even right now, if you suffer with me righteously and do it right, you will reign with me. The king reigns with purple. He rules in his sovereignty above everything. Put the, and, and then they to cover those ashes with a, with a purple cloth. Again, it was a, in verse 14, a covering of badger skins. And it was a covering, notice what it says in verse 15. And Aaron, who was the type, would, would and his sons made an end of covering the sanctuary. And isn't that the place where the Jews would gather? And isn't it, don't we gather in his name? In Matthew 18 and verse 20, two or three that are gathered together in his name, his the, his nature and the work that he accomplished for the Holy Spirit to manifest that to us. 
There he is in our midst. And this is a type, Aaron, the type of Christ, who covered the sanctuary. He covered the sanctuary. And Aaron and his sons made an end of covering the sanctuary, in verse 15 of Numbers 4, and all the vessels of the sanctuary. And then, when that took place, they could continue to go forward. Christ has finished the work for us in John 19 and verse 30. He and his father were both doing that, as brought out in John 5 and verse 17, because he said, my meat, my very sustenance, is to f- do the work of the Father to fulfill his will in John 4 and verse 34. That's what he accomplished. See, all of these were types. They were pointing to Christ who would come. Come, literally, from, from Genesis, from Genesis the fourth chapter, third chapter to the fourth chapter, he would come, but he wouldn't come till 4,000 years into the future. But all those types... All those types were preaching and teaching, teaching, teaching what Christ was going to come and accomplish. John 1, 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He had the habit like everyone else. He had humanity. Didn't have a sin nature, but he had humanity. And there was no beauty in him that we would desire him. It was like badger skins. But before you get to know him, see him what he accomplishes, and you see the beauty within him. And that's how we are to see each other. And that's what we're to do with each other. We're to see, uh, to reverence Christ in the vessel. In Ephesians 5 and verse 21, submit to to the reverence of Christ in each of us. Each of us. And so we can see clearly here by this teaching that it was, that allowed the camp to go forward because they had this covering. But it's we are, are our sins covered or are they dealt with? They're gone. That bag that Job talked about that he had to have in 14, 17, where his sin was sewed up. When Christ came, all of that, that, that God passed by, and you can even see that, we see this. And this is how we can understand the scriptures fully. That's why it's very important to notice and to know that it says all Scripture is inspired of God, not just the epistles that God gave, Christ gave to Paul in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. It's profitable. And so we can see this. And this is what this is a fulfillment of and what God is teaching us here in in Romans chapter 4. And we can see that Romans chapter 4 very beautifully brought out here. Well, we have 3, Romans 3 also. We see Romans 3, it says this in verse 24, being justified, we know what it means to be justified. That means you've received Christ. You've been cleared of all guilt and condemnation in, in the courtroom of God's justice. Christ is our retaining lawyer. Satan's on the left, the accusing lawyer. But in his courtroom, what are we? The father sees his son and sees us in him and says what? No charge, free, it's been paid for. Being justified, clear of all guilt and condemnation, freely by his grace, through his grace, the grace and truth in John 1, 14, that Christ is, that we're saved by in Ephesians 2, 8, to 10, being justified. What is our being now? What is our very being made up of? No guilt, no condemnation. 
No matter what's being preached, there's, there's no guilt and there's no condemnation. None. None. Freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Watch what it says here in verse 25. Whom God set forth. How? Set forth a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness. Listen to what it says. For the remissions of sins that are past. All those that God was passing by. Job's bag sewed up all his sins. All these. All of those. For the canceling. For the passing over of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness. That he might be just. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness. Well, who met the righteousness of God in my place? 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ. He's our righteousness. That he, God, might be what? Just. His justice to be fulfilled. So that love was free to flow through justice being met. And that's why it's all grace. And the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. So he's taking care of both. So between the old and the new covenant, what do we have? We have the cross of Jesus Christ. They looked forward to the cross, which all these types were teaching about the person and work of Christ. They look forward. Their faith looked forward. And what does our faith do? It's finished. Now what? It looks back. We all meet at the cross. This is what this is teaching. And even here, again, in, in uh, Romans 4 and verse 25, it says in verse 24, but for us also to whom it will be imputed. Imputed is the very righteousness and holiness and, and, and justice positionally imputed to us is put to our account. That's imputation. Imputation in the Bible simply means that when we receive Christ, watch what this says. If I believe and receive that all my sins were imputed or put to Jesus Christ's account on Calvary, then when I believe that, all of his righteousness is put to my account. This is what it's teaching us. And these were, all these types were teaching us this all through this old covenant. And so it says, but for us also to whom it will be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. All those types are teaching this. It was teaching the Jews this, teaching them as they went through the wilderness. This is our finished work. This is ours that God is constantly bringing to our minds here this morning for us as we pass through this wilderness. And it will be that if I look back, instead of looking forward, I'll settle down here. But are we passing through here? We're passing through the wilderness. We're on our way to our promised land, our heavenly home. That is brought out in, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And on our way there, we offer the sacrifices of praise. You know, all through the covenants, and we'll get into this, the old covenant, and the teachings about the offerings, there was a peace offering. It always had to do with reconciliation. But there had to be a burnt offering. Then there was a sin offering. And we'll get into these at some point. And they're all fulfillment of what Christ has fulfilled. And propitiation 
as a substitute and reconciliation for his people. But that peace offering always brought, because peace offering, when you had all of those, it brought what? Reconciliation. Have we already been reconciled? We have. We've already been reconciled. And based upon, he is our peace. Is he not in Ephesians 2 and verse 14? And who fulfilled the peace offering? Who is our peace in Ephesians 2, 14? Same he was for Israel in Isaiah 26 and verse 3. He will keep you in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you. Because, he, because you trust in him. And when we trust in him, what do we have? Experience. Experience peace. And peace brings, us, brings out in us the sacrifice of thanksgiving. That is Hebrews 13 verse 15. Because the peace offering, if you see it in Hebrew, was always a thank offering. Thank you, Lord. I've been reconciled. I have peace with you. Christ came down, heavenly. He put on humanity, badger skin. And he, he dwelt, and there was no beauty in him. But boy, when we fellowship with him, and he with us, oh my God, the beauty. You know, and that's why the king's daughter was all glorious within. <laughs> that's what it says in one of those Psalms. It's not coming to my mind right now, usually the way the scriptures do. See, I didn't memorize it. I don't have a photographic memory. I'm glad I don't. Because I would take wrong pictures and wrong images. But the king's daughter, really, truthfully, it says, is all glorious within. And that's who Christ was. Wasn't much to look like on the outside, but boy, the beauty within. And boy, we need to look at each other with, a, with his love that has covered us and see the beauty that's within us, within, within each of us. And what a beautiful thing that is to understand and for us to be able to see. And as we get ready, we're going to turn to, to um, Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, to bring out the type uh, even more and the beauty so that we can even understand these scriptures and how, what they meant and how God was bringing that uh, to us. And so we see here in Ezekiel, and this is where he's speaking to Israel, yes, but in those types and in those prophecies is not Christ, who, who is to be their Messiah, their priest and their king. Is he not our bridegroom and did he not fulfill all of these things for us? And that's what it is. God for us. Now that everything's been done, he's not again. Listen, even when we sin, and God forbid we should sin, but he's not against us. When we hear messages about sin, when we hear, and sometimes we think they're hard, but when they come out, when they come out, we must remember our position. And if we, and if we have established a foundational truth about our position, we'll know how to properly receive these things and grow in them. Because God's not against us in Christ. He's for us in Romans 8.31. Even David would cry out, when my enemies come against us, then I will cry unto the Lord, and then my enemies will turn back. He said, for this I know. And he constantly, doesn't he have to constantly remind us and tell us again, I'm for you, not against you? In Psalm 56, verse 9, for this I know, he said, God is for me. Love is for me. And so we see finally, and I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll end this up in Ezekiel, the 16th chapter. Again, this is the type that God is teaching Israel. 
He's teaching them. But he's also teaching us in the fulfillment of Christ what he fulfilled. And he brings it out in detail. That's why we need all the counsel of God in Acts 20, 27. We need it all. We do. And it's so much. But again, in Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, it says, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And, and say, Thus says the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Your birth... Your birth, and notice what it says in the Hebrew, your cutting off or your habitation and your nativity is of the land of Canaan. Promise. That's truly who you are. And this would obviously speak so much more to us. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. And as for your nativity, in the day you were born, your navel was not cut. Snip. Neither were you washed in water to supple you. To supple you. And that's a beautiful word there, too. You were not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. Of course, in salt in this particular place, it speaks of grace and it preserves us. You know, back in the day, they had to have salt kept all the meat from, and things from, from, you know, not from being corrupt. And that's what grace will always do for us. It continues to preserve us. And again, he was Christ in John 1 and verse 14. He was filled up with all that what? Grace and truth is. And we're filled up in him. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 bring that out clearly. Not, and then it says, when you are in this condition, not washed, not salted, verse 5, no I pitied you to do any of these unto you. You couldn't do them yourself. We, can't, we couldn't do anything to help ourselves in this helpless condition. And no one else could do it for us. Why even look to someone else when Christ has already done it for us? You, none pitied you to do any of these things, to have compassion on you. We've talked about the difference between sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Compassion upon you, but you were cast out into the open field. You weren't of value to anybody. You had no value in yourself and, you were, and no one saw any value in you, just like they did in Christ, by the way. He came unto his own in John 1.11. His own rejected him. They didn't see any value in him. Oh, but he's allowed us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, being saved and him being our Lord and Master, our precious Savior, we see his beauty within. We see way beyond. We see his beauty. You were cast out into the open field, left in the world system, to the loathing of your person. You couldn't stand what you were. You couldn't stand what you did, but you couldn't do anything about it. You know how you hated it, but you still couldn't do anything about it, and no one else could do anything about it. To the loathing of your person in the day that you were born, because in Psalm 51 and verse 5, we were conceived in, in sin and we were brought forth in iniquity, cast out into the world. Now look what it says in verse 6. And when I pass by you, and boy, did God make that personal to me this morning. When I pass by you and saw you, and when I saw you, polluted, in the Hebrew says, trodden down underfoot. You didn't, you didn't mean anything to anybody. They couldn't help themselves. 
They just, just, they just were trodding you down, walking right over you in your helpless and hopeless condition, polluted in your own blood. We must understand that, blood. In our own blood. And listen, when it says blood here in certain translations, in, in Ezekiel 15 and verse 6, we'll see it in Psalm 51 and verse 14. David cried out, Deliver me from blood guiltiness. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. He said in Psalm 51 and verse 4, Against you and you only, God, have I done this evil and sinned in your sight. I was conceived in iniquity and brought forth in sin and brought forth in iniquity, my mother. But you desire truth in 51.6 of Psalm. You desire truth in the inward parts. How was it going to get there? Unless he who was heavenly and blue put on badger skins and came down, came down. And, uh, but here, when it says this, you were polluted in your own blood. The Hebrew says bloods. And there's a reason for that. See, the word of God is so specific. Blood. David said in Psalm 51, verse 14, in the Hebrew, deliver me from bloods. Do you know what he was saying there? From blood guiltiness, he said in Psalm 51, verse 14. We'd, we were guilty of sinning against God. We were helpless and hopeless in our guilt and in that condemnation. But when David cried out, deliver me from blood, guilt, from blood guiltiness, it's plural. You know what he was saying? He's saying, and this is what Christ is saying to us, God's saying to us this morning, that when we receive Christ as our Savior, he not only delivered us from our guilt and condemnation, but the guilt of what anyone else ever did to us. He delivered it. He delivered it all. He didn't just, when we received him, all the sins that we did and that affected us, he dealt with that's what David was crying out for. But he was saying, in my conscience. And we have a cleansed conscience in Hebrews 10, 1 and 2. They did in type, but boy, they don't have the intimacy. Did you know David didn't have the intimacy? that we? He'll rule and reign during millennial reign as prince next to Christ, yes. But we're married to him. We have such much more intimacy. And he's chosen us. It's so incredible. But he said... I saw you when you were in your bloods. You, had, you, were, you were in your own guilt and the guilt of others that were trotting you. You, only were guilty. you were not only guilty of your own sins, but those sins of others that were trotting all over you because you had no value to them. But I, you were in your bloods. And that's when I said unto you, when you were in your bloods, in the midst of your guilt, live. Christ is our life in Colossians 3 and verse 4. Yea, I said unto you, when you were in your blood, live. Live, experience life, the life of Christ. Verse 7, I have caused you. Notice what it says, I have caused you. You know what that means in Hebrew? I, my love, has caused, you will experience millions of my love. <laughs> That's what it says in the Hebrew. That's what it says in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. To know the love of God that passes knowledge, meaning you'll never come to the end of how the depth of how much that he loves you and that he loves me. Now he said, Lord, I have caused you to multiply. I not only want to bless you, and not only have I done away with your guilt and condemnation and dealt with every single one of your sins, 
but I in you is the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. I not only want to bless you through my son being glorified and glorifying me in you, but I want to use you to bless others. I want to multiply the life of Christ in you. I want to multiply it and bring others to bring others. And we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I have caused you to multiply as the bud of the field, and you have increased and waxen great. Really, in Jews in number. Did you know in all their sufferings in Egypt, everything they went through in their sufferings, God still caused them to multiply? <laughs> yeah. He, he let out, when Moses the type, he let out those Jews. We see in it, based upon Exodus 12, 1 through 13, and going through, that was the Passover. And then through the Red Sea, Christ, that was a, those two types. In Exodus, the 14th chapter, those two types is Christ dying for us. He, he led them out. He led out a minimum of 2.4 million men that were Jews. 2.4 million. And then how many women and children he let out? He multiplied them in their suffering because he was faithful to them. And it says here, you have increased and become great. You're whack, and you are come uh, to, to excellent ornaments, your beauty, your beauty inside. Your breasts are fashioned, your emotions, and your hair is grown. <laughs> the, beauty of the, the beauty of being able to have a prayer life. And that's why the type in number six, those Jews, those Hasidic Jews, they weren't to cut their hair. Speak of, spoke of a prayer life, you know, in Moses. I mean, uh, Samson. He had his hair long. He had a, he had a prayer life, and his strength, his phys, his strength, really physical, and our strength spiritually comes from drawing on him. And prayer teaches communion, and that's why when his hair was cut, he he lost his strength. He 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 lost his strength and, and the ability to communicate with God through prayer. But even in his age, even with his eyes gouged out, he took down more enemies in his death than he did his whole life. <laughs> Beautiful types in the Bible to understand. So, and then, uh, your breasts are fashioned and your hair is grown, whereas you were naked and bare. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, they knew they were what? Naked. They lost the covering of experiential love. And that's when Christ was right there, the voice, they heard the voice of God walking in the garden, Genesis 3, verse 8, the pre-incarnate Christ, who would come 4,000 years into the future in John 1, verse 14, and Luke 1, 35, and put on humanity, put on those badger skins from heaven. And, be, and that beauty in him, that beauty in him would be covered. And, and listen, when it, when it talks about the blue and the badges, the skins that we read in Numbers, the fourth chapter, when I see this verse, and we're almost done here, when I look at this verse and look at these verses, and this is what teaches us in Philippians 2, and verse 6, who being in the form of God, blue, deity, blue, who being in the form of God, didn't think his deity, the outward manifestation of it, that blue, to be a thing that would be grasped and shown at all times. But look what it says. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a man. That's the badger skins. He became man. You want to talk about perfect identification. Love, 
perfectly identifying with us and taking care of every single thing about us. But made himself of no reputation, took upon the form of a servant, was made in the likeness, okay, in the likeness, notice, the likeness of men, humanity, no sin nature, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. This is God, by the way. (laughs) And became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, and that's why God has highly exalted him. 2.9 to 11 in Philippians 2 and Isaiah 45 and verse 23, that's his royalty, purple. (laughs) Blue. His heavenly deity, blood, humanity, put them together, royalty. That's why we rule and reign with him. That's why it says that in, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 12. If we suffer with him right now, we'll reign with him. And that's why he says in Romans eight eighteen, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us and on us. That's the fulfillment of Colossians 1 and verse 27. Christ in you the hope, the guarantee of a glorious future eternity. And so as we wrap this up, it says this, you were naked and bare. Now when I passed by you and looked upon you, behold your time. What a time when we receive Christ. Your time was the time of love. Isn't that awesome? When I pass by, every time he passes by, it's a time of love. And that's why, where does his love wait? In Isaiah 30, verse 18, the only place it can, an undeserved favor, kindness, and merit, without merit, but all have to do with him in Isaiah 30, 18. He's waiting to be gracious, not to condemn, not to condemn, no matter hard, how hard it seems, not to condemn, ever. It was a time of love. Notice what it says. And I spread my skirt over you. My skirt over you. <laughs> Covering. Love covers. My skirt over you and I covered your nakedness. That's what he did. Remember he took away the fig leaves? That even with those fig leaves he was still naked in God's eyes because it was something that he performed. But then Christ, you see when he took the, uh, the animal and he killed it, blood was shed, and he covered them with the skins of the animal. You see that in Genesis 3, verse 21. That's the type, all through the types in the Bible. And Christ is fulfilled. I covered your nakedness. Notice, yea, I swore unto you. I made an oath that only I could keep and entered into a covenant with you. Remember, the word was, was God and the word was what? with God, and he's with us, and Christ is with us in the most intimate sense. And even when it says he put on his humanity, when I read this this morning, and God just took me with this little Bible through the scriptures, like I'm doing, like he has has me doing right now, when he took me through, he said, not only did I, I cover, but you could no man in John 1 verse 18. It doesn't say man. It says no created being has ever seen God in all his fullness. And in his love, he even had to cover his son, his deity, because we couldn't behold him. <laughs> but he put on humanity. Now when I passed by you, looked upon you, your time was the time of love. I spread my skirt over you. I covered your nakedness. I swore unto you a covenant and entered into a covenant with you. 
and said, with you, saith the Lord, and you became mine. Do you hear that now? Awesome. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We are not our own. We're bought with a price. Aren't you glad you're not your own? Whew. We're not our own thoughts. We're the thought of him who bought us and who paid for it. Who be, you became mine. Then washed I you with water. That's Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. That's Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. That's what Jesus was teaching his disciples in John 13, in the types. Right? He took off his robes. It speaks of his deity. He girded himself with a servant's towel. That was his humanity. And he began to wash their feet. They didn't need to have their whole bodies washed because they were already born again. But they needed their feet washed because when we walk through the earth, through this wilderness, this earthly, this worldly system, our feet get dirty. It interrupts our fellowship. But yet he wants a, a dirty foot so he can wash it because he deeply desires intimacy with us constantly. His desire does not change. I am my beloved. I'm my beloved's in Song of Solomon 7.10. And his desire is toward me, meaning it never stops. He loves us. And we're to love each other in that love. Then I washed you with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away your blood, salvation. 1 John 1.9. You know, 1 John 1.7, walk in the light as he is in the light. That's our character. And we experience the continual cleansing of that finished work, that blood. We experience the continual cleansing. I thoroughly washed away the blood from you and I anointed you with oil. And oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. That's why it says in John 6, 63, the flesh profits nothing, but the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, Holy Spirit, oil, and they are life, Christ, our life, who takes the things of Christ in John 16, 13, and 14, and he's the only one that can show them unto us, based upon 1 John 2, 20 and 1 John 2, 27. I clothe you also with broided work. See? Broided work. Isn't that beautiful? That broided work. And shod you with badger skins, and I girded you with the linen, fine linen. That's our righteousness in Christ. You see that in Revelations 3 and verse 5. And I covered you with silk. I decked you also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon your hands and a chain on your neck. And I put a jewel on, on your forehead, knowing who you are and your, and your frontal lobe, your forehead, and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown upon your head. You were decked with gold, based upon what my son accomplished in his deity, and silver. You were redeemed, silver. And your raiment, what you had on you, was fine linen and silk. And this speaks in Isaiah 61 and verse 10. We have robes of righteousness. And remember when the prodigal got home? The father took off his filthy rags. That was experience, because he already was a son. And he put on him a new robe. You see that in Luke 15, 11 to 32. These are all these types. You would silver and your raiment was fine linen and silk, embroidered work. Fine, bro, bro, the detail of what we have in Christ. The embroidered work. And you did eat fine flour. Nothing was mixed with it. And honey, sweetness. His word is sweeter than the honeycomb. You see that in Psalm 19, 10, down through. And oil, and you are exceeding beautiful. That's how he sees us in Christ. You're exceedingly beautiful, and you did prosper. 
into a kingdom. Boy, what we have in Christ is so incredible. So, Father, we thank you so much, and hopefully you will take this word like only you can, like you did for me this morning, as you just took me in this little Bible through the Scriptures. I know how much you love me. You know how much you love each other, each and every single one here, so deeply, so deep. You have deep love, the depth of what Christ went through and his love for his Father and for us. Father, we're so grateful and thank you. And we're thankful for, for every single person here and every single person that's in Christ and those that potentially will be. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.